Epiphany Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. On Friday a thief, on Sunday a king, laid down in grief, but I woke with the key to hell on that day, the firstborn of the slain, the man Jesus Christ laid. Welcome to Epiphany's Sunday Sermons, a podcast ministry of Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Our church exists to help people discover and rediscover the love of God in the Christian gospel. To learn more about our church, visit our website at epiphanyligonier.org. Friends, the strife is over, the battle is done. The victory of life is won, the song of triumph has begun. Alleluia and amen. The angels ask a question to the women at the tomb this morning. They ask, why do you seek the living among the dead? And that question asked by these angelic messengers to the women, it comes from a a very significant place because what's going on is these women have come on Easter Sunday, the first Easter Sunday, not believing that Jesus actually rose. The spices that they were going to bring were not just spices like you know, cinnamon to make things smell, smell nice. They were embalming spices. On Good Friday, Jesus had been crucified. His body had lost all heartbeat and respiration. He was beginning to decompose. His body was lifeless. And it took place just in a timing perspective that the sun was going down on Friday and Saturday was the Sabbath. And so at sundown, uh, the women had to stop all of their work and observe the Sabbath. They could not work, and embalming a body was work. And so what happens is they kind of do the best they can with Jesus in short time on Good Friday, and they put him in the tomb wrapped in clothes, but they're not done yet. They need to come back and do more funeral preparation work so that he will properly um, be laid to rest. In the ancient Near East, a tomb was a cave that was dug into the side of a hill, and there was a big rock in front of it that served as a door. And inside this tomb, this cave, were shelves that were lined the walls, and each shelf was big enough for one body. And the funeral tradition of the ancient world was that a recently deceased body would be placed in a tomb for about one year. And over the course of that year, the body would slowly decompose and become bones, It would be very sad, but then those bones would then be put in a special box called an ossuary. I know you didn't come to learn about ancient Near East burial practices, but this is important. Uh, And they would be put in this, the bones would be put in this box, and that box would be taken out of the tomb and buried on the family land. And so that's the ancient funeral rite. That's what everyone was expecting to happen to Jesus' body. And so the women had come into the tomb. The stone had been rolled away, a heavy stone, a stone meant to keep animals and, and bugs away. And they came into the tomb, and they were going to work on Jesus' body a little bit more to prepare it uh, for, for that process. But when they get there, the stone, of course, is rolled away. His body is not there. And a couple of angels say to the women, Why do you seek the living among the dead? It's this sort of gentle ribbing, isn't it, right? Because they kept saying, you know what Jesus taught you. Why are you surprised his body is not here? He is alive. This is a matter of category. These things do not mix. Jesus and dead things, it's completely different. Imagine a friend comes to you one day and says, man, I went to the hardware store today and they were totally out of fresh chicken legs. 
You know, I went around, I could find my plumbing equipment, I could find my pipes and my sandpaper, but I went to Lowe's and they were just fresh out of drumsticks. So I'm gonna have to think of something else for dinner tonight because they didn't have that at Lowe's. I found the chicken wire and I found the chicken coops, but chicken legs they just didn't have. Of course not. You don't go looking for chicken legs at the Lowe's. You go to the grocery store, to the cooler section, the poultry section. You don't go to get cheeseburgers from Chick-fil-A. You can't purchase baby shoes at your real estate office. You don't sell windshield wiper fluid to people when they come to Carol and Dave's for a bite to eat. It's a totally separate category. Jesus Christ and dead things. Why do you seek the living among the dead? The idea of life and being made alive, by the way, friends, this is the heart of Jesus's ministry. Over and over and over again, Jesus talks about this theme of making people alive, being made alive, the resurrection of the dead. Life is a huge, huge part of Jesus's ministry. And of course, you know, the Bible was originally written in Greek, and there are a number of Greek words that get translated into the word life in English. And I'm going to talk about two of them very quickly, just to give you a context for what exactly Jesus is talking about. The first word for life in the New Testament is the Greek word bios, bios. It's the word we get, uh, it's where we get the word biology from, bios, the Greek word bios. And bios is a, um, a word that has to do with everyday mundane life as you and I know it. It has to do with plants growing and being choked by thorns. It has to do with money, money you use to make a living. You make a bios, you're making a living. Uh, bios is this regular sort of secular everyday life that you and I live. And Jesus talks about that kind of life maybe about nine or ten times in the New Testament. But the other word for life in the New Testament is a word that means transcendent life. That word is zoe. Zoe is that word. And if you know somebody named Zoe, that's what their word means. Their name means. It means life. Zoe, Zoe, they're from the same root. And so every time the Bible talks about any any sort of living, living life, eternal life, living life to the fullest, resurrection in the life, the living bread, the bread of life, the living water, these are all examples of Jesus using this word Zoe. He wants to communicate that there's something more going on to life than just sort of the everyday basics. There's something transcendent that is beyond the biology and the natural processes of this world that is available to you and I and everyone else. There is more to life than just growing up, getting a job, working for 30 years, retiring, dying, and then having some fun along the way. There is more to life than that. And the testimony of the Bible and the promise of Jesus is that this Zoe life is one of infinite meaning and transcendent purpose, and it is available as a gift from God to you. This was a big deal for uh, the writer and author C.S. Lewis, by the way. C.S. Lewis devoted a whole section to his book, Mere Christianity, to talk about this particular kind of life, just how big the difference between his uh, bios life and his zoe life. And here's what he says. Bios, sure, has a certain shadowy or symbolic resemblance to zoe, but the only sort of resemblance between them is like a photo to a place or like a statue to an actual human being. A man who changed from having just a bios life to having a zoe life would have gone through as big a change as a statue being changed from a carved stone to being made a real man. And that is precisely what Christianity is about. The world is a great sculptor shop and we are statues 
But there's a rumor going around that some of us are someday going to come to life. It's a big difference for Lewis between that bios life and that zoe life. And the difference between them, of course, is infinite. Um, the difference between a, a statue of a human and an actual living, breathing human being itself. There may be some resemblance between the two, but really we're talking about two completely different things. So what does this Zoe life look like? How is it experienced? Um, what does this Christian life look like when it's full of Easter joy and all of a sudden you get these glimpses of a Zoe sort of life? How does that manifest itself? What does it look like? We don't get it all the time, but we get glimpses. And the promise is that because of Jesus' resurrection, we're going to have it all the time. And for now, we get these inbreaking moments in our lives where we do get to see that Zoe life. Here's a couple of things that I think in 2022, this is not an exhaustive list, maybe three things that I think are, are examples of what a Zoe life might actually look like for you and me on the ground in 2022. How Christians with a Zoe life gifted from God are a little bit different than the rest of the world. Uh, so I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about Easter, bringing this Zoe life and giving us clarity and bravery and serenity. I want to talk about those three things for us. Clarity, bravery, and uh, serenity. Uh, so I want to talk about clarity first. What about clarity? We as Christians, because of Easter Sunday, have a clarity um, that is specific to us as Christians about the purpose and the meaning of life. While the rest of the world reaches and searches for something that's very important to have an end goal, to be more than just a bios life, we receive that as a gift from Jesus. What is the meaning of life? God has rescued wayward sinners through Jesus' death and resurrection and has forgiven and now wants to be in relationship with them. What is the purpose of life? You and I were made to be in relationship with the God who came to save us. Bingo. No more asking, no more searching. It's done, right? Of that This whole sort of search for the meaning of life and what it means to be a human being, we have clarity on that because of Jesus' death and resurrection. We will be raised in new and sinless bodies after we die and restored to fellowship with our Creator. Christians, because of Easter, have this Zoe gift of clarity. And where else are you going to get that from? I mean, what are you going to do, look at your horoscope, <laughs> right? Um, maybe online puzzles or quizzes about which beetle is your musical spiritual animal, right? I mean, those things, right, are, are bios examples of trying to find out who you are and what you are about in life. But the gift of God through Jesus' death and resurrection is that we have that. And we don't need to go searching for it anymore. So that's clarity. So we have clarity, and then we also have bravery. Christians, because of Easter Sunday, we can be Sunday. We can be brave. Um, think about it. Jesus died and rose again, and He's ascended to the right hand of God in heaven. Mercy is the heartbeat of God. All of our sins are forgiven. God not only loves you; He loves your family, He loves your friends, He loves you, He loves your colleagues at work. Providence is on your side. What can the world take away from you that heaven has already secured? Nothing. Nothing can be taken away from you that is gifted to you from heaven and is secured in the hands of the Almighty. Christians have everything secured, and so they can be brave. They can take risks. They can grow and build and try and fail, and it's all going to be okay. They know that they are held on to tightly by heaven, so the things of this world can be held on to loosely. Christians give generously. They love generously. They offer their time and their money and their stuff because ultimately we don't need them. 
Christians can be vulnerable. They can be the ones to go first uh, when everyone else is scared to go first. I think this is one of the most remarkable stories I've ever heard. Do you know what the first meal ingested on a celestial body that wasn't earth was? The first meal consumed on another celestial body besides earth. Um, when Buzz Aldrin, uh, the astronaut number two on the moon, and his partner Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, um, they had to take a couple of hours of downtime to get used to the gravity on the moon. Uh, they had to take a couple of hours to reset and go through the computers and kind of catch their breath after the moon landing. And so Buzz Aldrin, he had brought with him a, a small bag of personal effects. Each astronaut was given a small bag of personal effects. And upon landing on the moon, he reached into his bag of personal effects and pulled out a small vial of wine and a small chalice of grape juice, a small silver chalice and a, a communion wafer. And he read a portion of John chapter 15. Uh, I am the vine, uh, you are the vine, and we are the branches. And the first meal consumed on the moon was communion. The first drink that was poured on the moon was the blood of Christ, and the first food that was eaten was the bread of heaven. I just think that's so profoundly brave. And it speaks to what we can do as human beings when we trust that God actually loves us and cares for us, and that our lives are ultimately in his hands and not our own. So Christians can be brave, and I think that's beautiful. Finally, Christians can be um, have clarity, they have bravery, and then they have serenity. And I love this word serenity. Serenity offers this compelling vision for an emotional state I think is reasonable to, to hope for in this world. Because we can't control everything in the world, right? The things that are outside us cannot be controlled. But we can control, in some sense, our response to it if we have this Zoe life as a gift from God. So when the uncontrollable forces of life hit us, when the storm knocks the giant tree branch down and damages your car and totals it, uh, when the printer ran out of ink at, you know, one o'clock in the morning the night before you're preaching a sermon, not that that's ever happened to me. Uh, when you get laid off from the job, when there's the traffic jam that's going to make you late, uh, when um, you're setting your crock pot, you think you turned it on the right temperature, and then you come home from work, and you look in your crock pot, and everything is raw, and everything hasn't been cooked, and now you don't know what to do for dinner. Again, not personally speaking. Um, serenity is the ability to look at those things and to say, ultimately, everything's going to be okay. I don't have to let them define who I am or what I'm going to be. Serenity is the ability, the gift from God to say, look, God's in heaven. Everything's fine. I can go um, uh, take care of dinner another way tonight. I have the insurance. Everything's going to work out fine. Sure, the doctor gave me some bad news, but my life is hidden with Christ on high. And so if this is my time, this is my time. Serenity is one of these things that I think comes um, to those who have the Zoe life because they understand there is more to life than just the beating heart and the respirating lungs. They understand they are hidden with Christ. They are full of his redeeming um, Holy Spirit, and everything is ultimately going to be okay. And that's a promise from God signed and sealed in the blood of Christ. So we have uh, clarity, bravery, and serenity. Um, there are so many other facets to this Zoe life promised by God, not just clarity, but love and joy and peace, not bravery, but kindness and goodness and faithfulness, not just serenity, but gentleness, self-control. Um, everything that is best about being a human being flows from a Zoe life that comes to us as a gift from God on Easter Sunday. So why would you seek the living among the dead? Why would we? Why would I? 
Why would we look for life, for Zoe life, in the things of this world? Why do we seek the living among the dead as if money or junk food or self-righteousness or a 30 years of service trophy on our mantelpiece could actually give us meaningful, significant lives? They can't. The trophies and the wards are going to be unceremonially disposed of in the goodwill one day. Money doesn't follow you after you stop breathing. Good food gets you through the day, but you have to eat again soon enough, and it won't actually solve most of your problems. Booze is fun for a while, but then again, it wears off, and you have to go back to it time and time again until you're dependent on it. Arguing online, it's a complete waste of time. Who among us got into an online argument and actually changed their mind? Right? Good. I mean, nobody raised their hands. So, like, there are things in this world that we think are going to change people, are going to give us life, are going to give us more than just the basics of biology. And I'm here to tell you, friends, it's seeking the living among the dead. It will not work. All that stuff is the bios life, and it's the stuff that Jesus has came to, come to free us from. And if the dead can be raised to life again, if Jesus didn't stay down on Good Friday when they laid him in that tomb, if there's going to be no funeral homes or embalming spices in heaven, there's more to life for you in this world than the world has to offer. Earlier on in the Bible, one writer comments on this by saying, Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's what one of the writers of Scripture says earlier on, not fully aware of the plans for Jesus' death and resurrection. But on Easter Sunday, we come to a joyous truth, the gift of this Zoe life. We will not die. We, you can eat and drink, but tomorrow you're not going to die. Because Christ has risen from the dead, and so you will eat and drink with him in heaven. And there is more to life than just eating and drinking and working and the little bit of fun you can squeeze in on the side here on the side of things. And so I offer you today, friends, a word of Zoe life, a word of transcendent life. Jesus Christ has died and he has risen. He is coming back to fix the world. All your sins are forgiven. The offer for a different life is yours. It's ours for the taking. A life of eternal significance gifted to us by the one who laid down his Zoe and took it back up again. And this Zoe, God, friends, is eager to be with you, and he has made a way for it to be happen. Alleluia. Amen. Happy Easter. On Friday a thief, on Sunday a king, lay down in green, with the keys, fell on that day, firstborn. Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania.